Hey, welcome to The Sample Cupboard, the place tucked away from the hustle and bustle where we come to have a chat about whatever's on your mind. I'm Johnny. And I'm Kay, and we're here to sample all of life's ups and downs in all their glory. Grab a drink, get comfy, and close the door behind you. Hello. Hello, we're back again. <laughs> yes, we're back again. Your favourite duo. How are you, babes? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yes, I'm well, thank you. Live to survive another week. And we're into March now, which is really strange. This month. We said it last week, didn't we? It has just flown by. This week's gone so quick because I've been so excited about recording this episode. I know, I know. And if you guys listened to last week's, you'll know. But if you haven't, we have got a very special guest with us today. It's our first guest on the podcast. Can you believe it? Our first guest. Woo! I know, it's so exciting. He really needs no further introduction, but we'll just give you a brief rundown of who he is. His name is Erico Gianni. He's a queer fashion beauty content creator. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. He's amazing. And we're really, really excited for you to meet him today and to ask him a few questions. I'm so excited. I've actually not met Eric before today either. So I've got lots of burning questions for him. I can't wait to have a chat. He's no stranger to a sample cupboard, but he's never been in this sample cupboard before. So we are really, really excited to introduce you guys to him. So... Without further ado, let's welcome Eric to the podcast. Hi. Hey, babe. How are you doing? Yes, well, thank you. Welcome. Thank How are you? you? Good, really good. Oh my gosh, can I just say, I am so grateful to be here as the first guest as well. Oh, I'm so excited. We're so excited to have you. We've been fangirling all week. Yeah, honestly, I was just minding my own business one day and then I got a voice note from Johnny being like, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And I was like, listen, I'm booked and busy, but I'll make time for you, Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) We feel very blessed. No, you know I love you. I'll make make time for you any day, Jonathan. Yes, yes. And we're so grateful for it. Have you got your drink? Clink, clink. I do. I've got I've got gin and lemonade diet, of course, because mm. this is the only diet that I'm on. We've got to get that hot girl summer bod. Mm-hmm. We have a date now. We've been given a date. We've got to honour it. So, um, Eric, for the people that don't know who you are, do you just want to give us a brief introduction to yourself, what you do? Yeah, and kind of everything about you. Well, first of all, if you don't know who I am by now, you're living under a rock. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so... I am a queer fashion and beauty content creator first and foremost, Uh, but not many people know this. I also do freelance copywriting and social media management on the side too. So she does a little bit of everything. Multifaceted as Johnny would say. Oh yeah. (laughs) Love that. So yeah, she does a little bit of everything. Obviously, we wanted to get you on the call because we know that you have a lot to say and you're really interested in everything to do with the creative side of things. So we're really excited to get you on and have you talking today. We always start the podcast with a little section that we call On Wednesdays We Wear because obviously it is a Wednesday and we think it's always good to introduce what we're wearing to the podcasting is it's all about fashion. So do you want to start with what you're wearing today? Of course. Well... I'll let, I'll give you one guess about where this lovely fuchsia top is from. Take one guess. Mm. River Island. 
Jonathan. I know it's ASOS, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where else would it be from? Honestly. So, of course, the top is from ASOS. I think it's ASOS White, actually. I like ASOS White, ASOS Edition 2. Those are two of my favorite sub-brands. Um, the jewelry that I'm wearing is also from ASOS. This ring is from ASOS. Um, but the other gold kind of bracelets and finger yeah, it's like a like a cuff like a hat like a handcuff but not a not a handcuff it's very futuristic it's by this barcelona brand called mam um they do very kind of futuristic gender neutral designs and i'm wearing their trans collection today on my hand and on my ear too yes we love you did some promo posts for that didn't you on your insta I did, yes, they are a brand that I've worked with before. I love working with, with brands that kind of share my passion about gender neutral clothing and, and they are exactly that. That's what they, they stand for. So I love working with them. You look so fabulous. And you got the memo of wearing pink on Wednesdays we wear. Yes, Johnny, you clearly didn't get the memo though. <laughs> I've got a bit, of, I've got a flash of a little- Nipple doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little rose here. You go next then, Johnny. What are you wearing? Okay, so I've got a um, black oversized blazer because we just love an oversized blazer, cannot live without. Um, I've got a chain choker, which is actually from Top Man. RIP. Well, actually we still exist, but on the platform of ASOS, which is exciting. Uh, a couple of other little silver chains and a mesh sort of black turtleneck with a floral print over the top. Some black oversized trousers from Weekday and some ASOS little 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 numbers on the ears as well. I thought you were showing us your AirPods then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have AirPods, everyone, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> they are the best accessory though, AirPods, because they go with every single outfit, don't you think? So much so that ASOS actually released a fake jewelry version. Do you remember this? I remember yes. the silver, little silver thing that goes in your ear. Yeah. Is this like the ones, they're like earrings that hold the AirPod. Have you seen them? They have like an, a stud that has the like hold of it for the bottom of the AirPod. No, I haven't. Maybe I need some of those for when I go for runs. No, they're like a fashion statement. Well, I mean, if you want. Okay, you finish this off. I am wearing a hot pink blazer dress, um, gold jewellery. I don't know where these are all from. I think they're from Little Independent. Some of them are from like, Camden Market little boutiques. Remember when we could actually go shopping? And a gold chain from ASOS. Earrings are all from ASOS too. You look gorgeous. Both of you look so stunning. I feel like I'm in the presence of fashion greatness right now. I've listened to all of your episodes and I loved last week's, especially when you gave us like the insider tea of the fashion industry. Honestly, I'm such a fan and I'm so just, I'm just so excited to be here right now. Thank you so much. Honestly, it means the world. So we're going to kick off with our questions for you then. We've got a lot on the agenda today. Firstly then, you, well, I know you from, from work. Do you just want to kind of give us a little brief intro into how you got into the industry that you're in today? Well, totally. Um, and I think that kind of covers how we met too, because we met while we were both interning at ASOS, right? During our sandwich year at university. Um, and so yes. I was the merchandising intern and Johnny was the design intern. It was completely by chance because I didn't study fashion at university. 
I actually studied economics, which is the furthest thing. It's totally different. It has a reputation for being very analytical, very mathsy. Um, well, I guess that's what that's what kind of drew me into merchandising in the first place, because like you guys explained last week, merchandising is the more analytical function within like a fashion business. And so um, I applied to the ASOS internship, um, got in. And then over the course of that year, I realized that, OK, I want to kind of stay in this creative field. It kind of made me never want to do economics ever again in my life, but I had to finish off my degree. So I did the last year. Um, and um, the, the reason why I ended up in, in marketing is because um, I've always been an avid user of social media ever since, you know, I was a teenager. I find it is such a empowering channel for self-expression particularly because you get to choose what you publish on there. And basically, you know, the limits are your own imagination. Like you can create anything and publish it on social media, which, you know, we're in a way very fortunate to have because our parents and the, you know, generations before us never had that. So um, I found myself uh, drawn to social media and I wanted to try out marketing. So when I was looking for grad schemes, I applied to um, Apple which, uh, as you know, is like the corporation of the corporate world. It was a long yeah, shot. at the moment. I know. And, there, and, and I got in. And, you know, once they offered me the, the, the role, I, I couldn't turn it down. It was like an opportunity of the mm -hmm. lifetime. So I, I went for it. I had a great year. But off the record, I had a better year at ASOS, just saying. Because of you, Johnny. <laughs> You heard it here first. <laughs> because I had Johnny and I had people like Amy oh, uh, and Daniel yes. who were honestly my rock then and, and continue to be such a rock for me for me now. It was a great cohort, wasn't it? There was such a big group of us and I think we were really lucky to, to, to merge together in the way that we did. Um, talking about your, your identity then and sort of your own self-expression, um, how has your own identity shapes the work that you do? Well, okay, I'll tell you about how my identity has shaped my work in a second, but can we just talk about how actually what happens is that your work tends to shape your identity? Because let's be real, we spend, you know, we spend 40 hours a week of our lives working. And so whatever we do for work naturally forms a large part of who we are and how we identify. And so, um, when I was working at Apple, you know, very Silicon Valley ask, you know, they, they tend to attract a very particular type of individual. I found myself kind of straying away from, from who I really was. And when I say who I really was, I mean, do you remember at ASOS, Johnny, when, you know, when I would rock up to work and literally like these denim jeans with like denim bows on them, I was camp. It was- You <laughs> flourish. We need a picture of this. We need picture evidence. There's many, and you know, working in such a creative environment like the fashion industry allowed me to kind of find my identity. Then going to somewhere like, uh, you know, corporate America and Apple, uh, I kind of found myself drifting really far away from that. But, you know, since I left Apple um, in summer of last year, I've been on a journey of kind of rediscovering myself. And I've definitely, I feel like I've found um, out who I am again, uh, you know, and who I am is a proud queer 
person who loves fashion, who loves beauty, and, you know, is not afraid to express who they are. So, you know, you asked um, how my identity shapes my work. Well, you only have to look at my Instagram feed to see how much I inject and infuse my queerness and all of that kind of love into the work that I produce, whether it's like a styling choice, whether it's the fact that I'm wearing like, you know, um, women's clothes in, in, in brackets, you know, um, whether it's, uh, you know, me wearing uh, makeup um, or the way I choose to describe myself. Um, yeah, it, my identity is my work now. I make sure that I express myself through my work with every opportunity I can. In terms of what you've just said, do you think the jobs that you've had have helped you feel more confident in expressing yourself? And do you think like the where, the places you've lived, did you live in America when you worked for Apple, did you say? No, so the internship at Apple was actually in the London office. Um, my accent's really fucked because <laughs> I grew up in the Philippines. I grew up in the Philippines, which uh, the people tend to have like American accents over there. And so, um, and so, yeah, so, so that explains that. Um, but uh, you mentioned like, yeah, um, working at ASOS definitely helped me discover who I was because first of all, they created an environment where you were allowed to wear whatever you wanted to work. And that I'd never had that opportunity before. Kay, I know you used to work in retail. You described how you had to like dress in like a uniform every day that was really smart, wear heels, and you had to look really like, you know, uh, stereotypically, you know, formal. Um, and I had that too. I used to work in Hollister, which has a very, as you know, beachy. They had a very like Californian aesthetic. You had to wear shorts, you had to wear like, you know, a, a particular look. So there wasn't really much um, room for self-discovery, whereas at ASOS, I was able to express myself through what I wore to work every day. And that allowed me to, to find out more about who I am and my identity. Good answer. I think as well, like living in London, definitely it's so diverse. I guess that probably helped as well. Totally. Living in London is amazing because you're in like the melting pot of diversity and culture in the whole of the UK. So, you know, no matter where you're from or how you identify, you will find your people in this amazing city. What I have to say, though, is that ever since the pandemic, um, you know, obviously it's been harder to meet up with people in person. But I think and we're talking about, you know, content creation and social media today. I think that's kind of reinforced the importance of social media in everyone's everyday lives because now that we have to social distance social media is where we find those people that we once found in person but online mm -hmm. yeah it's so true and i feel like social media's had such a bad rep recently but people are really starting to understand how important it is now in our lives talking about social media then um what do you think the future of social media looks like obviously in our lifetime there's been several platforms that have sort of come and gone like we we kind of grew up in the beginning it was myspace bebo and then facebook kind of took over then there was a bit of a twitter buzz and that died down facebook remained the same and then snapchat instagram and now twitter's having a resurgence so what do you think it's going to look like in in sort of five years time totally oh my god we've had so many platforms in our history and there's only new and exciting ones coming up i mean tiktok is the one that first comes to mind but there's like other ones as well like i swear there's now like a 
a hinge social media like not the dating app but like an actual social media like called hinge but yeah like you said um social media is kind of has always been around ever since the dawn of the internet per se um and so i don't think it's going any anywhere anytime soon to be honest uh, there's going to be a lot of skeptics that say social media is dying you know the the end of social media is near but to be honest like it's changing yes i agree with that part but i don't think it's going anywhere like i said um we are spending more and more time on it now because we're having to social distance from each other it is becoming not just a social tool but also a professional tool people use it to showcase their portfolio of work whether they are you know a hairstylist fashion stylist photographers use it makeup artists particularly use it you know that's what gave rise truly to you know beauty influencers and the influencer culture and now we're kind of seeing a shift where anyone can be an influencer it doesn't matter what niche you're in or what your skill is you can be an illustrator you can be a poet you can be a public speaker you can be a teacher you can be an educator um no matter what profession you find yourself in or what you're passionate about social media is a tool that you can use to 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 grow uh your passions and to start a business and so for that reason i don't think it's it's going anywhere anytime soon but i do agree that the types of content that people consume is changing and it's changing rapidly i mean you only have to look at short form video on tiktok um it's like an it's like it's like a slot machine every time you go on there it's like you're being given like this dopamine hit of like fresh fast paced short content and it's addictive yeah and so that's a big topic at the moment and um, it kind of leads us into our next question really about the this influencer culture that people are talking about right now and particularly in the pandemic how there is that negative side to it and it can be quite detrimental for some people what what are your thoughts on on the kind of rise of of influencer culture or the demise of influencer culture during the pandemic yeah you know i think the word influencer doesn't particularly have a good rep and even in like professional circles you know i used to before i started freelancing i was working at a pr agency unless you um have like a super strong brand and a super highly engaged audience and a super high following you know people don't tend to want to collaborate with you i mean that's separate from like nano influencers and micro influencers people still want to collaborate with those type of people what's a nano influencer so these terms have just kind of come out uh in order to kind of categorize influencers by their following size when we say macro influencer we generally tend to talk about people with large following so like over a million we have our mid tiers who are kind of between um 500 no 100,000 to like a million and then you have your micro influencers which generally speaking are like less than 100,000 followers but then what's gaining popularity right now is the rise of nano influencers people with like uh less than 10,000 followers heck even like 2,000 or 1,000 followers who are getting super high engagement from their followers because they've kind of fostered a community of like-minded individuals that are willing to listen to whatever they have to say and so brands are interested in working with with those type of people as well it's so powerful such a powerful platform and also don't you think like a few years ago you know our parents would be like you will end up in a job that It probably hasn't even been created yet and people would say this like phrase and bash it around but this is living proof that things are only going to continue to evolve because 
the job, like, Eric, the job that you're in now, that didn't really exist, say, five, well, like, ten years ago. It was, it's all so new. I think a lot of people, particularly some of the older generation, that aren't as au fait with things like Instagram and TikTok, they dismiss it as as not something real or, you know, not it's not a real job. Totally. You know, you, like you said, influencers didn't even exist five or 10 years ago. And now it's so commonplace. Every, it's kind of, the word influencer is like a household term now. People tend to know what you're talking about when you mention the word influencer. So going back to your question earlier about the demise of influencers, people don't realize that an influencer isn't just an influencer. Um, they have teams of people professionals, um, publicists, artists, stylists, managers, you know, writers, all working alongside them and behind the scenes that you don't get to see. So what's unfortunate um, when we talk about the demise of influencer culture is that when we see, you know, these influencers flying out to Dubai in the middle of a pandemic, and we start to, we start to get angry at those people, which you know, it is wrong what they're doing. They shouldn't really be traveling in the middle of a pandemic. But um, what is, but what we don't realize most of the time is that actually we can't, we can't be mad at them because they're trying to earn their living. And if we don't allow them to earn their living, there's probably like 10 other people that won't have money to pay their rent at the end of the day that work behind them or alongside them. So it's a huge network. Do you think also potentially people are more critical of influencers because they can see some like what someone's doing for a job? You know, like normal jobs that aren't you don't show someone every day what you're doing, whereas part of an influencer's job is to create that element. So then it's open to a lot more criticism. I wonder if that's why people um, have these opinions that people don't do anything because they're just seeing the end product. Do you know what I mean? Like they're seeing everything through a roast interview. They don't see the whole five people behind that person who's 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 worked hard, done the copy, everything else for that that post. Totally. Oh my God, Kate, you've actually hit the nail on the head. Like that is so that is so true. Maybe it's just because it's out there. So I don't know. It's just open to more criticism. There's one image in your head when you when you think of influencer, but there's actually, like you said earlier, it can be anyone. It could be anyone that, like a teacher that's on social media that's just sharing a, a way to learn. You know, there's so much more than just wearing a, a t-shirt and promoting it with ten percent off code. Do you know what I mean? Yes, totally. Oh my God, some of my favorite influencers, like Blair Imani, for example, you know, they do uh, a series on, on their reels about getting smarter in, in seconds and they share nuggets of wisdom and it's an educational type of content that they create. And when, but when people mention the word influencer, you don't tend to associate that with education. Like you say, people tend to jump to the people that are, you know, using affiliate codes and discount codes to get their followers to to buy maybe the clothing that they wear and stuff. But actually, influencing influencing in general is far more broad broader reaching than that. There's a whole industry. Going back to your style, then Eric, because it goes without saying, you're a very very stylish person. You've grown your following on Instagram through lots of hard work, but by having a very unique style and some could say brand identity how when you're doing the work that you do marketing and pr for other companies how do you find the balance between hitting your own identity and your own brand image 
and aligning that with the companies because you've you've marketed and, and promoted quite a lot of products now and a lot of those have been quite varied so how do you kind of find that balance totally you know this is one of this is a really good question and this is one of the um, one of the things that I enjoy most about being a freelancer is the fact that you get to pick and choose who you want to work with. You don't have to take every job that comes your way. And so I'm very specific about the types of individuals and brands that I work with. I only work with brands that are inclusive, that showcase uh, a diverse range of models or talent in order to promote their product you know they need to be in alignment with with some of some of my identity as well and i think like any kind of creative think of like photographers or stylists or makeup artists they tend to have almost like signature styles right so like you know when you see their work you can identify that it's done by so and so artist straight away I like to leave my signature when it comes to working with with brands. So uh, a lot of what I do um, weekly right now is copywriting for uh, social media posts. And so what happens is uh, either the brand will send me the visuals or I they ask me to create the visuals for them. And then I write the captions for the, the posts, basically. That's how it works. And um, they give me uh, links to their website so I can kind of get a taste of their their brand identity, but I also I always make sure to inject my own voice in the writing so that that comes through when you read the caption. So there's always, you know, a very kind of, for lack of a better word, camp tone to all of my <laughs> captions because I always want things to be, you know, lighthearted. We're going through really dire times right now. The world is literally ending. Like the least we can do is inject some of that you know, wholehearted lovingness into our work. And so I try to do that when writing. Who are your biggest style inspirations? Who do you look up to? Well, apart from Jonathan. <laughs> oh, stop it. My style inspirations uh, tend to change. But right now, I take a lot of my styling cues from the people that I follow on social media. So I follow a lot of queer creators. Uh, so I already mentioned Jonathan. Uh, some of my other faves are Zane Shah, Darkwa, Jamie Windust, who's also an author uh, and personality presenter. Another, another style icon that I look up to is actually the iconic fashion designer, Harris Reed, who, okay, started off as a fashion designer, but is now a presenter you know, personality and also Mac makeup mogul. They recently launched their collaboration. So you talked a little bit about kind of the fact that your style and your inspiration changes. Do you think that ties in sometimes with your identity as well? Totally. Well, because, because I am gender queer, I feel the need to express myself in ways that don't align with the traditional you know, stereotypes of, you know, masculine or feminine, I tend to kind of fluctuate in between. I'm somewhere kind of like in the middle of that spectrum in terms of gender expression. I love to kind of give a little bit of femme and a little bit of mask, but not too much. So I find clothing is such an amazing medium to do something like that. Uh, and, and it gives me confidence too. When I feel 
like I'm serving a look. When I feel comfortable in the outfit that I'm wearing, I feel like I can do anything. And it honestly boosts my mood. And not many things do at the moment, by the way, working from home and not being able to do anything. It does just make you feel so much better with what you wear. Like it can totally 360 your mood. And what's lovely about what you do is that you you lift other people's moods as well oh, with what you put you. out. So, because I think there's one thing doing it for yourself, but if you're able to lift other people up by doing that too, like amazing. Totally. Going back to what you said earlier, Kay, about, you know, the rep that influencers get, you know, don't get me wrong, nine times out of 10, I'm literally in joggers and a sweatshirt and I'm and my hair is up in a bun and I literally look like I've just rolled out of bed. But that's not what people see on social media because that's not what I put out there. And I think what we need to realize as well when we look at these people on social media is that we need to be mindful that what we see is not always the full picture because, you know, it's proven that social media is a big cause of anxiety. And I think that's simply because people aren't educated on what social media is like. For example, when we look at magazines and we look at the, the, the photographs of like models in the editorials and they look all glitzed and glammed up, it's kind of common knowledge now that that photo has been edited, it's been retouched to perfection. And so, you know, we know it's not really reality. The tricky thing with social media is that people look at photos on social media and they think it's real. They don't realize that actually that photo that ends up on social media goes through just as much retouching as the cover of, of a magazine, you know? So we just need to be mindful about that. And you've also, you've not took that photo candidly. You've put that outfit on, you've gone down the road with a coffee cup and you've took a picture and you've edited it and select, you know totally blood sweat and tears go into um what you see on social media so don't take everything for surface value that's it that's on period just maybe give a little rundown of what gender queer means to you gender fluidity for those who aren't familiar with the term gender queer just because i know that a few people listening probably will be quite new to them is it you prefer before i get this wrong you prefer queer than gender fluid? So yes, I prefer uh, the term queer because queer tends to be the umbrella term. The way I see gender queer and gender fluid and gender non-binary, all these terms kind of talk about a person who doesn't necessarily identify themselves as what society sees as a man or a woman because gender is a construct. It's a series of attributes and rules that we've kind of pushed upon people who are either a, a male or a female. And so, and, and your gender can really have a, a serious effect on how you experience life. And so someone who identifies as genderqueer doesn't necessarily see themselves as either a man or a woman. They kind of see themselves as other or somewhere in between the two. Okay, no, that's a good explanation. In terms of pronouns as well, Johnny and I had a conversation last week and, and I just said, I just look at someone and take them for who they are. And I said to Johnny, I don't really understand the whole side of the pronouns. And, and he said, well, it's more for society to kind of understand and accept rather than people trying to brand themselves in a certain way for attention. It's, it's the other way around. And I was like, oh yeah, that's makes total sense yeah totally you know me and johnny had the same conversation didn't we like a few weeks ago we did about, yeah yeah we did about how 
how we identify ourselves. And um, well, my pronouns that I go with at the moment are, are he, him. Uh, but I know, Johnny, yours are... He and they. Yeah, so I kind of, I'm happy for the two. And I think that it's something that I'm only recently getting to terms with. Because like you said, I feel like it's very much a spectrum. And some days I wake up and I feel, you know, more comfortable with being a man and then other days I feel more comfortable being in the middle you know and it changes it changes all the time so for me having that flexibility there is is really important you know also there's people who feel they need to be seen and it's it's vital for them to be seen and to be heard that you know those members of the queer community who have never had a voice before are now given that opportunity to be seen by society by you know being identified as genderqueer or gender fluid or non-binary or whatever you feel comfortable with so yeah it's I think it's really important that we have that conversation too and we just ask totally and you know like you said earlier it's more so about um kind of an educational piece it's kind of telling the world who may not necessarily understand that these kind of peoples even exist let alone can express themselves in in a note in like an independent and uh, and creative way it you know, it's by it's kind of dismantling this system that has been kind of just been put on us. You know, someone like society has just decided one day that if you are born a male, you are a he and you are a him. And if you are born a female, you are a she and you are her. And along with that comes baggage, basically, to put it simply, expectation upon you to fit into. <clears throat> you know, a stereotype. What's perpetuated this is, let's face it, capitalism and marketing. And, you know, we're trying to sell products. And so it's easier to kind of uh, simplify things for customers. So that's why we have gendered everything in this world. We have gendered clothing. We have gendered personal hygiene products like razors, perfumes. It's all so that you know, the market marketing folks can, you know, show, uh, and this is ironic coming from a marketer, but it's, it's all a tactic in order for people to buy stuff. And, and I think we've kind of grown past that. Now we, we, we realize now as a society that actually you can't simplify 8 billion or more people in the entire world into either into zero and one, which is the binary system, right? Whether you're a, a man or woman, there are so many more identities out there. And like you said, we should just, it's all about acceptance. Like asking is always a good thing. Hearing to hearing the person's story and how they identify and then just going with it, you know? It doesn't affect you. Speaking of that, have you seen in the news last week about um, the Mr. Potato Head? is being rebranded as Potato Head. What are your thoughts on that? The move itself was actually brilliant because um, we're seeing more and more toy companies kind of dismantle this stereotype that little girls have to play with Barbies and little boys have to play with action figures, right? I think that's what we're seeing here. We saw it with Mattel and Barbie. They introduced, um, you know, Barbie in different skin tones and different, you know, gender expressions, different sexualities, uh, which was, iconic and now we're seeing it again with uh i think it's hasbro with um the people that do mr potato head and i think it is like you said kate it's only a good thing really publicity aside this is a real step forward for the community i think though it's quite nice from a black brand inclusion point of view it's quite nice to see that a brand is actually tapping into that part of 
mm. um, society and, and making it inclusive rather than... It's not exclusive. Mm. to uh, miss, I'm only going to buy Mr Potato Head if I'm a man. It, it's ridiculous. But, you know, it's the, it's the idea that brands are actually listening and being like, you know what? This is a really valid point and it's really, really important. Just because he's a Mr Potato Head does not mean that a person who identifies as she would not buy it or a person that identifies as non-binary would not buy it because just because somebody else is one thing doesn't mean that you have to then match that or it doesn't, you know, like we were saying, it doesn't affect you. I could talk about this all day and thank you for sharing your thoughts, Eric, on all of that. We're going to move on now. Every week on the podcast, we do a little feature called Shower Thoughts. It's a little overthinkers hotline think of it as a moment where you can bring to the table something that's really thrown you or really made you just stop and go oh my god I've never even thought of that what do you have to bring to the table this week Eric for us okay you know this is the bit that I was most excited for on today's podcast because I love listening to your shower thoughts honestly the shower thoughts get me every time like, I think it was the, the first time you guys did it. I think, okay, didn't you mention something about the Bridgerton quills? I was like, oh my God, I thought the same yes. thing while I was watching that series and no one talks about it, so. <laughs> They're so fucking big. They're huge. Big quill energy. <laughs> okay, okay. This is, this is, this is quite a, a big one. So I hope you two are, are prepared. Get your drinks ready. So I have been wondering for some time now, why colors are named the way that they are? Like, why is blue called the color blue? And why is yellow called the color yellow? Called My the brain color hurts. Yellow? Now, My brain actually okay, hurts. Before you, before you say why, I watched a video. I watched a video from like Vox, or I think it was Cheddar, one of those channels on YouTube, that said, that the cut the orange fruit, which you'd think that the color was named after, oranges. Supermarkets, supermarkets in the USA are known to spray paint oranges, the color orange, just so that people will buy it. And oranges only turn orange naturally in certain environmental conditions. So if you go to South Africa, the supermarket are green. So why is the color orange called orange? You tell me. It's too early for this. Hang on, who named, who did that? Like whose responsibility was it to pick the colors? Who knows? So there's like a million parts to that shower thought then. Because that's what I was gonna talk, I was gonna say the orange fruits that we know, did that, it's like chicken and egg. Did the orange come first? Or was the color a thing before? But that's obviously gone out the window. That is mind blowing. How do I know that I'm seeing pink? Exactly, like how do we know that what you're seeing as pink isn't what I'm seeing as purple? Do you remember the dress, the gold or the blue dress? Oh my God. What, I think I saw both at one point and then someone was like, but it's obviously gold and white. And you're like, it's gone. It's now back to blue. Me too. <laughs> okay, well, I think we're all as stumped as one another on that. Thank you, Eric, for confusing me for the next three years about this. I'm gonna be thinking about this nonstop now. Anybody that is a color expert, anybody that knows their shit on color theory, etc., please get in touch with us at the sample cupboard on Instagram and hello at the sample cupboard.co.uk on the email. We would love to hear from you. 
Eric, we wanted to ask, what are some of your daily rituals in lockdown? Obviously we spoke a bit about this at the beginning. Um, we're all living through this shared experience of just craziness right now. What are you doing to keep yourself sane? Three words, eat, sleep, repeat. <laughs> That's all I do. I beg to differ because your Instagram is looking hot ATM. So you're not just eating and sleeping. Thank you. Well, okay, look, actually, you know, that is that is what I was gonna say. Uh, staying creative keeps me sane because if I don't create, then I go a little bit bonkers and I kind of have urges and sweats and I'm like, oh God, like I'm gagging to make something today. And so I tend to create content at least twice a week. So I'll have like a shoot day for like images and then I'll have another shoot day for like video and like reels and TikTok and stuff like that. But what I've also been getting into recently apart from creating content is actually reading. So there's, the, there's this lovely website called boutiquemags.com and I ordered recently uh, three magazines. I got Gay Times, I got ID and I got Dazed. And I've just been flicking through and kind of like, you know, reading again because I don't know about you two, but when was the last time you picked up a book? For me, it was like A-level English. Of Mice and Men, <laughs> Lenny and George. <laughs> and that's GCSE. That's even... <laughs> even longer ago, babe. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been reading. And so uh, my routine is um, I try to get to bed by like 9 or 10 p.m. every night after watching <laughs> God Knows What on TV with my boyfriend. We always try and make sure to give ourselves like an hour at least of just reading time. And I don't just mean like, re he reads a novel, but I mean, uh, I'm a visual person, so I need a magazine. I like, I need images. So I like to read my magazines and I find it, it really helps me not only sleep, but it also gives me inspiration for uh, future shoots and campaigns that I may, might be working on as well. So it's a, it's a hit two birds with one stone moment. It's a win-win. I love that, using that time to, to read some magazines, because I think when someone typically says reading, you think, like you said, reading a novel, but like that visual escapism as well, to be able to sit and actually have the time to yourself to look through. I can't remember the last time I looked through a magazine. That's made me want to actually go out and get an actual magazine. You've inspired me. I do love going and getting a magazine. I love a magazine in the bath. That is risky. Soggy pages, babe. <laughs> a soggy bottom. I think flicking through a mag is so different to flicking through like Instagram or something because you've what's lovely is you you kind of see how all the pages are put together and they're all designed to be followed after another and there's little segments of writing all the imagery is laid out differently and it's like a little it's almost like a film or something it takes you on this journey for I don't know how long it takes you but I'm a slow reader, so it takes me like a couple of hours <laughs> to get through a mag full, like cover to cover. In a way, I think it's still very relevant. I don't know what you have to say on that, Eric, about sort of print publications versus digital. I think print is still very relevant because it's a different type of media. We kind of misconstrue all of the visual types of media into being kind of one and the same, but they're all so different. Vogue is very active on Instagram. I love the content that they post, but what you get 
on their Instagram is very different from what you actually get in the physical pages of a Vogue magazine. Okay. So it's not the same. It's not like you can just replace like a print magazine with uh, a digital subscription or, you know, following them on Instagram, you get more content. And like Johnny mentioned, you get more of a kind of curated edit of that content. It's completely different. You get a different experience. You get a tangible tactile experience. First of all, it's a different sensory experience, but also I'm like you, Johnny, I'm a slow reader too. And you know, that means that you spend more time absorbing the the content that you're reading. Whereas I don't know about you guys, but for me, whenever I in, interact with a post on social media, it literally is like, it literally takes me like 30 seconds to like a comment on that post. And then I probably never see that post ever again, which isn't enough time to really appreciate the artistry that goes behind this content that we see. Whereas with a magazine, you can really take your time, like, like you said, Johnny, in a bath, absorbing all of the beautiful art and the work that these creative minds have put into it. And it, it's a different experience. And I don't think it's going away anytime soon. They, the print industry is having to adapt, no doubt, because revenues have declined over the years. You're seeing a lot more publishers focus more of their marketing budget on digital and on video content creation and stuff, which I view as more of a supplement to print because as long as there is a demand for it which there is people there are collectors out there there are people like that just love to have a physical copy in their hands you know they're going to keep producing it because they can still make some money from it good answer mm. should we move on to the last question then yeah you kind of touched on it earlier with saying like what you wear can check totally 360 or mood so that being said what is one thing in your wardrobe that makes you just feel amazing Jewelry, hands down, jewelry. I love how adding a piece of jewelry to your outfit can really just add that finishing touch. And that can take your outfit from basic to iconic. There's also like a gender aspect to it as well because jewelry is one of those things that, that has historically been associated with women and with the feminine. And I really am trying to, my goal is to kind of prove that it doesn't matter what gender you are. You can be, you know, gender fluid, you can identify as he or she, and you can still wear jewelry to make yourself feel fabulous because why not? No, totally. That's such a good answer. Absolutely. Eric, it has been an absolute joy. Oh, thank you so much, Johnny. And thank you, Kay, for both of you inviting me over into your podcast. I've had the best time. We've loved having you in the sample cupboard. Thank you. We really have. You're more than welcome. Honestly, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. How amazing was it having Eric on? I've really, really enjoyed that episode. Me too. I knew he'd be amazing. And I, I think he really delivered. Um, we really hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. I know. It's been so good. What a way to kick off like guest episodes. I don't think we could have had anyone better on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so again, thank you so much to Eric. Um, he's at Eric Ogiani on Instagram. Check out his stuff because it is just as fab as the person himself. Next week on the podcast, we'll be talking all things to do with university and moving away from home. Something else that me and Kay have definitely done, did, and um, we hope to shed a bit of light on that for you next week. So tune in because you won't want to miss it. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram. We're at The Sample Cupboard. If you listen today on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review. Five stars only. We only want the good ones. 
Thank you so much to Alex at Runda Music also for providing us with all of the tunes on this podcast. We will leave all of his details down in the show notes.